When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Beaver Banner Podcast. I'm Nick Dashlin. I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. I was uh, in the press box covering Saturday's win over Boise State, and I've got a few thoughts on what I saw. Uh, joining me on the podcast is former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back, Kyle. Hey, how you doing? Where, where did you watch the game on Saturday? Uh, we were at a sports bar in Washington watching the game. I guess just to start off with, what uh, what were some of your 30,000-foot thoughts on, on what you saw? I love the energy of Oregon State and how they came out. Uh, defense looked fantastic through, I mean, mostly the whole game. Offensively, we looked great in a lot of areas. Yeah, there's stuff you always got to clean up, especially first game around, but Overall, I mean, it was a fantastic show for uh, first game out and a lot for Oregon State fans to look forward to. Yeah, I was sitting at about the the press box this year is kind of it's something sort of unique because of the, the West Side construction. I, I was on about the 10 yard line down by the by the new scoreboard. And so it's a great view when you're down on that end, when they're down on that end of the Field, but when they're on the other end, boy, it's it's a challenge. But thank God they have that new scoreboard. It's got a giant screen, and you can see pretty much everything. Um, so that 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 works pretty well. So it'll work good for this year. So um, I I thought we'd start out maybe not necessarily with the game so much as I, I was kind of curious. So you know, I always get to the game maybe two hours, maybe ninety minutes ahead of time, and I got things I do there at the stadium. But what? What's a what's what? Let's say you got a seven thirty kickoff. As a player, what time would you get at this? Would you get to the stadium on the bus? Seven thirty p.m. game. We'll probably get into the field. I want to say more around three, three to four. Really, I th- I didn't know they got through that because I the bus Oregon State buses seem like they roll up about I don't know at least about a couple hours before the game, maybe something like that. Um, Two three hours, four hours maybe. Before I don't even remember truly, but it, it's we stay there a lot. It's a decent time way before the game. Like you have the walkout, the Beaver walkout. Um, that's right. when we really get there. So I don't know how what time that's necessarily around from what I remember. I think it's like three hours. Um, yeah. And then yeah, we hit the locker room, getting taped up immediately. Um, you know. Being with the team. Did you have a routine at all, like music or or any anything that you would do, you know, in addition to just the regular, you know, stuff you do, like getting taped and all that? Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to one of my friends that played at like Washington or uh University of 
Western Oregon yesterday about it. I asked him if he had a routine. He said he sat in a corner. Uh, my thing was I either like to sit in my locker or I'd go to like a certain area that I was really comfortable with all the time. And I'd have like similar, uh, basically like the same kind of hype music or like the same like flow. I like to always close my eyes and like visualize what I want to do during the game. And so I'd do that frequently before every game just to make sure that like, you know, like I envision what I want to happen, uh, how I see things going, certain play calls, seeing certain formations and just like going about like how would I play those scenarios out? What was what was the strangest thing you'd see in the locker room before a game? Anybody have anything that was really off the wall for a war- for you know just a routine? Uh, yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, there was a time when there was one guy that was like, "Yeah, you got to get your first hit in," and so sometimes it'd be like a, a, a random slap or uh, throwing somebody's hel- like somebody put on their helmet and you just have to hit them like in the head, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's not me." I, I don't like the extra contact before. I'm not trying to get a concussion early, but uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen that before. So when you get out of the when you get out of the locker room, then uh, you go on the field for the first time. Any anything in particular? You, you have any routine? Did you have a a ritual or anything like that, or you know, other than you know the the standard warm up? Or uh, one thing I always love to do, and I, I took it from Cam Newton, from when I remember watching him, was like going to the opposite side. Uh, field goal post or that field goal post closest to you and sort of just praying um, beforehand, just like, yeah, thank you for the day. Thank you for this. And like, I'm excited to be here and the opportunity just to get me like that comfort and that, you know, like that understanding, like I'm a whole, and then this is going to be a great moment and a great time for my team and myself. Yeah. During warmups, did you ever know, boy, things feel good or ever feel like, you know, this warmup's not good. It's not, this is not going to be good tonight or anything like that. Or, or is warmup just a, just a warmup? Uh, a warmup's really a warmup. You never want to have the mindset, yeah, this isn't going to go well or I'm not feeling too hot. Cause, you know, that's definitely not something you want during game day. Yeah. You have those moments where you're like, oh, that step wasn't the greatest. And then you have it again and again. You're like, all right. Your first, next thought should really be, I got it all out. Now I'll be straight. So yeah. uh, never want to have that negative mindset of, oh, yeah, this isn't going well. But, uh, you know, some players do sometimes. But at the same time, you, that's not the kind of – that's not the vibes at least I saw on Saturday. So that's what I did love. Who was your uh, who, who was your favorite coach uh, when it came to warm-ups? Was there a guy that really got out there and – Got you fired up or said stuff to you that made you, I don't know, get you more ready for a game or? It necessarily wasn't a coach. It was a player. Um, favorite player to be around when you when you need to get hype is Jalen Moore. Uh, definitely yeah. the most hype guy there and still is to this day. Love that he's a coach and love that he's part of Oregon State still. But uh, he's definitely one to get you pumped. And if you need to get ready for a game, he's going to make sure he gets you ready. Yeah, every week last year before games, he'd come by me and give me a prediction on the game, and surprisingly, he always picked the Beavers. I, <laughs> I found that hard to believe, but he did. No, yeah, he's a good, he's a good dude. He's he's in the right role being in recruiting. So I agree. Um, so now let's kind of go to the game here. Um, shoot, I guess we should start with the defense because I obviously that that was probably the the highlight of the game uh, outside of the win. Probably as good as I've seen since maybe 2012. I mean, it was that first half was amazing. I, I thought for the most part, 
Um, I kind of thought that, I kind of thought that, you know, once Bachmeyer went out of the game, things changed only because I don't think Oregon state had any, you had a real game plan for the, for the backup. He was a totally different guy. I think if had the game plan for him, I don't know that would have been a whole lot different. They would have tried to contain him a little bit better on the edges and made him throw because he was pretty ordinary as a thrower, but he got out there and ran. But when when the starter was in there, it, it was lights out. It seemed like almost every drive. What did you see? No, I, I agree. I, I saw similar things to you, and I think last week we sort of hit the nail on the head about our defense. I mean, our secondary is very well and they seem very in tune with each other which was great um i think like we were talking about last week our d-line um the pressure that they put on the quarterback more times than not led to chaos that helped our defense look very strong and i'm excited to see like that keep going and stay consistent and i think with how they played overall on saturday more times and not look better. Uh, Oregon State always has this thing where they sort of just die, like partway through the game, like right at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, it seemed like they sort of just shut down temporarily. And I was really like, please don't go back to old time Oregon State. But they sparked it back up again, which was really nice. But uh, yeah. I think the defense, they did what they came to do and show that it's a new era finally. And I really loved that. Yeah, I always think the underrated thing about a secondary is it doesn't really matter how good you are. If you don't have a defensive line to put pressure on, you're just not going to be successful because you can't cover guys you know, longer than a few seconds. Um, so if you don't put pressure on the quarterback and make him throw when he doesn't want to, it, it, it's hard on the secondary. But So you thought, you thought that the line really got after it and really helped out the whole, the whole process. Yes, and but to your point, I think you can always have a good secondary because let's say potentially you have a quarterback, like a good quarterback on the opposite side, and like you don't have the best D-line. When you look as a quarterback, you're looking for your reads, and your reads only come within a couple of seconds. So when it's not open, you scramble. So like with that view, it's like, all right, they have to scramble regardless. But when you have a good D-line, it also sort of messes up that timing already which the secondary did their part, which made it even harder. So it's like either interception, PBU, or tackle for loss, the fumbles. It was just one after another. Everybody, I think, overall came in tune, which was really nice. So, I mean, yeah, the D-line did their part. The blitzes were really nice. I mean, I liked that more times than not. It was like four coverage, and then you have every once in a while, you had a couple blitzes, a couple like different fronts, different looks. But overall, like the defense looks solid. Yeah, the three interceptions. What, what what did you see on each one of those? Start maybe with Rajon Wright's uh, pick early in the game. Yeah, so I was looking at it, and I believe it was a uh, cover two. It was no, it was man. It was a man two. So like the safety had help over top, or was supposed to have help over top. Yeah, uh, he undercut it, which was really nice. I love the height on the uh, on the catch. It showed the athleticism. It shows how great coverage-wise he really is. Like, he read it, and on top of that, he didn't have to go for, you know, like, he played it as if he was the receiver. It wasn't even as if he was a corner anymore. So watching that first one, how well he, I think he does in man, I think you're going to see that with him throughout. Uh, I just hope he doesn't get too handsy because basically, like, you look back at his sort of, like, 
from um, Last Chance U and like last year, he gets really handsy every once in a while. So that's where flags start coming in with holding. But I mean, the way he played it was overall nice, even though even though he's supposed to be over top. Yeah. But with how high he got, I think he played it very well. Jaden was there for a little help. But I mean, yeah, it was a great play. Yeah, in practice uh, or during camp, they, uh, you know, they'd have the 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 defensive backs playing with tennis balls in their hands, so they wouldn't use their hands. Is that is that something you guys typically do to sort of keep the the hands off the the receivers and all that? Or I think that's a new thing Coach Blue did. I mean, I've seen other teams do it. It wasn't one thing Coach Hall ever did. Um, I think in that aspect, we weren't as handsy as we should sometimes than not. But I think with how physical these corners that Oregon State have now, it really actually you want to take a little off of them. So it's like having a great like a, a dog on the field. Yeah. And rather than telling it keep fighting harder, you actually have to slow it down a little because I mean, that's the kind of dog you want on Oregon State. Those corners are so physical to the point where you could see the hits that they were given to running backs, to receivers. And they right. just get up and be all in their face. And I loved it. And that's something that I don't think we had as much. Whereas this team, you have to calm them down a little because too much excitement can lead to flags. And, you know, I think we saw a decent amount of flags in the game, but I'm okay with all of those for the first game because it shows the enthusiasm, the love, the passion, the hype behind this team and how much they're ready for this season. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, Jaden had the interception also in the first quarter. And if I remember right, I think he, I think that he, he, he just read the, read the quarterback and, and there really wasn't a receiver in the area. He just, he just was, he was where, where the ball was going to go. And, um, I don't know. What did you see there? So it was same coverage. It was a, it was a man. Um, I like Jaden in the safety position more so the nickel position because of how smart he is. Uh, there was a receiver underneath, and like I was saying, the D-line does their job. You sort of force the quarterback to throw earlier on top of misreading it fully, so he overthrew it. Jaden was reading field. He read his eyes, read his keys right, and happened to be in the area, went right to the ball, and it was an e easy interception for him. And, I mean, that's what you want to see is just the D-line work their part and corners and safeties just being in the right spots at the right time to get their plays yeah. John, I asked Jonathan today about which interception he, he liked the best. And he thought Alex Austin's was maybe the best one because of all the things he had to do to get in a position to make that play. What, what do you remember from that one? I'm trying to remember. Cause I saw the third one. I think I was actually taking a bite of food. I tried <laughs> to go back over it. Um, well, if he can't, he can't remember. Yeah. Jonathan just said he, he sprinted back. He sprinted back, kept his eyes on the quarterback and got in a position to where it was a, I can't remember. It was, it was a pretty deep ball, I think, but um, yeah, well, it's not, it's not a big deal. If you can't remember that one. Um, what did you, the defensive front, they, it seemed like those guys in the outside linebackers really dominated Boise state's offensive line for most of the game. Is, is that kind of what you saw or? Yeah, it's it's exactly what I saw. They they were in the backfield more times than not. I love the nickel and corner blitzes that they had that they threw in. But overall, like the D line did their part, where it was almost like as many blitzes weren't needed, which was nice. The linebackers were there. Everybody read their keys. 
They got in, they swarmed the quarterback. Yeah, there was a couple times where he'd actually get to the outside. And, you know, that's one thing that's always going to be worked on is just making sure that you have outside contain. Just because the one run that that quarterback had, literally getting to the outside, having like a 40, 50 yard run for a touchdown, you don't want to see it. But at the same time, like one slip up is better than what, how many did we have last year? four years ago where it's just like golly like how many times are they you got to keep watching this right but i mean yeah it was it was good and i think there's a lot of growth and a lot that you see that you see after the first game that's gonna hopefully just keep carrying over yeah what what did you uh what, what was your favorite defensive play of the night i i actually truly loved that pick I mean, the pick was beautiful, and I think he played it right on top of the right, the right, the Rajon Wright pick. Yeah. Yeah. Rajon Wright's pick was, yeah, the how high he got was phenomenal. Like, I was like, yeah, that's a corner for you. And it's not even just a corner. That's a, that's an athlete making a great play and making sure he's like on ESPN or something. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a great, it was a great catch. That's not a play they would have made a couple years ago, I don't think, but, um, so uh, going over the offensive side, I guess to start with would be Chance Nolan. Um, you know, he worked a lot on his on his deep throws during the offseason because that was kind of a problem last year. And, and boy, it looked like he, he it was time well spent because the air was under the ball. He was leading his receivers. I mean, he had four or five throws that were pretty much on the money. I, don't, I, I only remember maybe one throw deep that wasn't great. And obviously the interception he threw to the sideline was, was terrible, but, but what did you, what was your assessment of how chance played? I mean, chance played great in my eyes. I, I, he seemed very calm in the pocket. Uh, he scrambled when needed the deep ball that he did miss. I'm happy with it because he overthrew where it's like, yeah, you know, he talked about putting more air, putting, getting the ball deeper than last year. And he has all of it now. And the two deep balls that he threw for touchdowns were beautiful. Yeah. I love the play actions that they're giving now. And I think we're so used to Oregon State being able to run the ball, run the ball. So all these play actions to like deep balls, they're they're key. They're spot on. They're they're perfect. And I think he has a great ball now and great attributes around him where it all works out. But like as a leader, for a quarterback, it's exactly what what I'd want to see in my quarterback because the way he spread it around, like literally he spread the ball around to every player, which was awesome. Yeah. And then how calm he was in the pocket, even when it was like pressure, he got out, he just made passes. And like when it was third and six or third and eight, rather, I mean, even though you want to go for that, like, you know, I got to get the first down, he got yards, he made a completion. He didn't get the full, he didn't get the first down, but it's like, Hey, that's fine. I like to see that you're getting the ball to the receivers for them to make a chance at making a play. Yeah. So, um, Musgrave, he, I mean, it's only one game, but he's going to be a problem for opponents, isn't he? I mean, six, six guy with his size and speed. And you kind of wondered when they were going to unleash him. Well, it, (laughs) they, they, they took care of that Saturday night. They got him. I mean, I, I had a suspicion they were going to go to him on the first or second play of the game and they didn't wait. They went right to him and they went to him a lot in the first quarter and he's hard to guard, isn't he? Oh yeah. The dude is huge. He's fast. 
And I mean, he moves well. I, I loved watching him. That deep ball that he caught was amazing. And I mean, yeah, when you have somebody that athletic, that big, that it's going to always be hard to guard, go to him. Like literally give him the ball and let him make plays because it's going to be hard to stop. I was going to say, what's a defense do, uh, you know, with a guy like that? Well, it's like hard because you can't put a linebacker on him because he'll outspeed. He's faster than a linebacker, but you can't put a safety on him because he's bigger than a safety. So really you have to put two on one just to be able to cover him. It allows more opportunities for the outside guys to make their plays. And it's really one of the only ways, unless you want to just keep going zone, but in that, in that mind space for me, it's like you go zone, he's going to sit in spots. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be first down, first down, first down, and then you can run the ball. Right. So, right. The uh, the running game kind of looked like a work in progress. I mean, it was promising, but they obviously aren't where they want to be yet. And I think some of that's to be be understood. They don't really know who you know they really want to go to yet. And they I, they ran you know several guys out there. And I honestly think they want to. I honestly think they want Martinez to eventually win that job. But you know he's still young and and. He, you know, he needs some, he needs some touches and whatnot, but what did, what did you, what did you see from the running game other than Jack Coletto, you know, taking over on that one play? <laughs> yeah, that guy is amazing. I mean, but with the running game, I sort of agree. It's a working thing. Oregon state's always so known for running ball. So like when we talked last week, it was like, yeah, our run game is going to be like our key factor. But what I love is that, the spread game, the passing the ball around was the key factor. And yeah. the run was, you know, like we had to get this here and there. And I think that it is a working progress, but we have the players and playmakers in those areas to really hit that home. It's just going to take time in which I think this next two weeks are those times where we can really, you know, figure it out, work on it and work well at it. And yeah, Martinez is a great running back. I loved writing the article on him and watching his high school film, I think he has a lot of upside and a lot of potential. And then, I mean, you have Fenwick. I think he's going to be a great runner as well. You got those two. It's like, and then low, you have so many great backs in the backfield where it's like, who do you put in at what situation? And that's going to be, I think their biggest thing is who should touch this at this time, Yeah, you know, because low catch the ball, but he can also run the ball. Fenwick is a great bigger back where it's like, yeah, short yardage, but that's why you also have Coletto. So it's like, you know, like there's so many different, they're so versatile. Yeah. And it's just going to be like with repetition is going to be the factor and the key factor of like how well they can get that run game to get going. Yeah. My favorite question from fans is, you know, what's Oregon state doing to, uh, you know, recruit the next Coletto and I'm going, he ain't out there. He's he's a unicorn. He he, he does, those guys don't exist. I mean, I get I I mean I guess there's a few of them, but shoot, I mean to get a guy like that that could play both sides of the ball and and do what he does. I guess you could have been one. Couldn't you? you played running back and cornerback? They didn't want to let you try that at all, or I didn't want to. Oh. I mean, truly honest, yeah, he's a unicorn. Like I've only seen two dudes do what he does. It's Coletto and Hill from the Saints. Those kinds of people are different. Yeah. They're built different. I mean, you have to know an offensive playbook on top of a defensive playbook. And I mean, at any given time, he could come back and just play quarterback. Yeah. And so that's like the craziest part is that he is so in tune with knowing both sides and his body is so 
you know, like, I don't even know how to phrase it, but it's, it's so nice to see that he's so healthy all the time, you know, like for a person that plays linebacker to fullback or running back to quarterback on fourth and ones. So, you know, you're taking a bruising every hit you're taking a beating every hit and he's not taking him. He's giving him. And then it's able to go right back to defense and do it again and go right back to offense and do it again. You don't find those more often than not. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be extremely difficult. And I think we're like one of very, very, if not only schools in the country that have somebody like him. Right. So obviously the game wasn't perfect. I mean, Oregon State won pretty comfortably. I mean, it was still a game with 10 minutes to go, but I never really thought they were in too big a danger. But there was problems. The penalties were a big issue, and the careless handling of the ball was an issue. The Especially the, the, the penalties, I think they can get fixed. But the, the, the turnovers, that's something that Smith and Lindgren have really been big on over their over their tenure is, is they don't, they don't turn the ball over. They make other teams go the length of the field and beat you that way. And I mean, these things should be able to get fixed. Shouldn't they in the next week or, you know, several games, don't you think? I think the turnovers is not, I mean, the penalties are a big concern, but at the same time, that is something that can easily be fixed. The turnovers per se, like no one threw one interception. He threw a second one, but in my opinion, it wasn't actually on him. I think he threw a great ball. I mean, when a receiver juggles it and, you know, a corner's going to come up with it. So it's like, yeah, that's just on the receiver just going like, all right, that lost one for today. But that's something you can make up. And at the same time, like you're lucky you have a great defense. At the right. Time, right. You're lucky the scores up. But I mean, him just the turnovers, the fumbles, they just got to figure out how to like carry the ball better. Like I was sitting there watching the running back. And I mean, when you're, when you have the ball all the way to like your left shoulder, it's like, man, tuck it. You, you're in traffic that you should know that yeah. you should know in traffic, hold it with two hands. If you got to go down early, you go down early. But the last thing you want to ever do is, and I'm happy that it was overturned because his knee was down, but it's also like a, Oh man, like that could have gone one or two, that could have gone two ways either way, right. you know? So it's like, you want to make sure that the ball is always wrapped up. And, you know, I think Nolan overall is playing very smart. So, yeah, he threw one bad, but at the same time, like, he threw pretty well, all right, you know. Um, but the penalties, that's one thing that the team needs to assess. And, you know, I think it's just first game jitters. I'm really hoping it doesn't go into the second game. Uh, but, you know, just with everybody fresh back, first game of season I get you know like the emotions that are behind it and you know like the nerves behind the game but yeah that's definitely one thing that they need to work on and I think it'll be yeah. taken care of in the next one to two games well now it's on to, to Fresno State um what was the what was the most hostile stadium you ever played in the most hostile stadium that I ever got to play in um I want to say it was really Washington or it was Minnesota. I mean, those two teams, it's the crowds that really get you. And when they know you by name, by number, stat wise, they know like when you sit there and you know, you're a true avid fan. When you're looking up the other team's players, history, family, friends, where do they go? What's their favorite? Like when they start knowing all that and they're like screaming it at you. It's like, all right, this is like a whole different level of like 
over fan kill. So I was like, all right. But I mean, Minnesota used to do that. And Washington is just loud and obnoxious. And I mean, yeah, those two places just are the funnest, I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a game where you've got, you know, a, a full house. They have had all day to get, you know, themselves nice and lubricated. Um, you know, the team's good and it's going to be a hundred degrees. I mean, that's just a, that's a, that's a triple crown of, of, of hard to deal with, I would think for a, an opposing team, but it's what Oregon state's got to do on Saturday. They have to deal with all of it. And I think they got a shot, I, you know, but there's a lot, there's a lot to handle on Saturday night. It seems to me. I watched uh, the Fresno state game. Um, I, I know that, you know, it's always first game, just like us. We had our first game jitters. Fresno had their first game jitters. But in my opinion, we have a great shot at winning. Uh, they didn't look too great. They didn't look bad at all, but they didn't look anything that's not beatable. And that's what I'm happy with. They, they came out. They seemed comfortable. They got their cues, you know, like their X's and O's down. But it, nothing was catching the eye. Whereas yeah. when I watched Oregon State on Saturday, it seemed like they were in it. And it seemed like they were overhyped and they were ready to make a stand and make a name for themselves. And so I think they go under, you know, uh, Fresno State coming out strong. I get, yeah, we're going to Fresno. We're going to them. But at the same time, that 100-degree heat, we're used to that now. These Oregon Summers have been something serious the past two years. They've played in it. They've practiced in it. They'll be ready. They'll be conditioned on top of they want to win and win. Right. We won every game last year home, but lost away. So this game is going to be the stand where are we going to start winning away? Can we win away? Can we win the places we go and show that we are a new Oregon state? And that's what I'm excited to see. Is, is, is the heat, how big of a deal is, is playing in the heat? Oh, it's serious. Yeah. The heat is, the heat is a lot, but at the same time, like, you know, like, you have cool towels to make sure that you're cool on the sidelines. You got a lot of water, but I mean, on the field, you feel that heat, like you feel it in the turf and it depends on if it's grass or if it's turf, if it's high grass or if it's just low grass, like literally every fields. Um, that's why always having a home at fit home field advantage is something that's so important just because of one team is used to playing in that climate on that stage in that field on that turf or grass and so you know when you go into a new place that you don't play at as often you're not used to it for example stanford has high grass colorado has high grass so when you want to run you feel slower because of how high the grass is that's you have to have higher knees but then when you go to like Oregon state it's turf so you could just run run but you're going to slide so it's good that you have like grips on your cleats so it's like each place is different Fresno is going to be one that's different. You know, I wish I got to play there, but I think this is going to be a great game, and I think they have yeah. all the positivity going into it. Seems like the biggest matchup of the night's got to be Oregon State's secondary against their uh, quarterback Jake Hayner. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking, and I'm. This is just what I think. I, I think the key is kind of going to be Oregon State slowing down Fresno State's running game to the where they don't and not not having to commit extra resources to it so they're so they're able to you know defend the the the, the passing game is i mean how do you see it i mean in my opinion i think it is going to be more of a quarterback corner position like 
battle, but it also includes the receivers because without the receivers, it's still pointless. I think the run game, for the most part, our D-line and linebackers are going to hold that tight. So it's going to come down to the pass game, the foul, like basically the flags and just not having pointless flags, you know, pointless penalties. And I think with their quarterback, yeah, he's good. Uh, he started the last, like, what, two years. But with that, I think our secondary, with Jaden being the leader of the secondary, he has so much more knowledge and on top of helping out everybody and, like, being the leader in that room to watch and analyze enough film to understand, like, all right, this is what we have to really focus on. These are the keys. This is what you're going to be looking for. And we just need to talk. Yeah. So it's like with those things, I think our secondary can overcome their quarterback. I'm not going to give them that much hype. I don't think their quarterback is phenomenal. I think he's good. I don't think he's a Marcus. I think he's decent. But I think we are able to shut him down. And our run, their run games, stopping the run game is something that I expect our defense to do. I mean, I know it's Boise State, but that's a run team. That's a heavy run team. And, you know, we stopped that. Fresno's Fresno. But I think with the keys that we have on the D-line, the outside linebackers, and our middle linebacker, if we're able to contain and make sure that we're not having anybody just, you know, bounce out and have long runs, it's going to be a great game. I think we should do – I still think it's going to be like a 10-point game like we said last week, but I think we can overcome that and win this one. Yeah, I was going to ask for a prediction. You're thinking Oregon State's about a 10-point winner? I think it's going to be like 34-24. I think, I mean, I'm so happy that my, our predictions were so wrong last week that they way overdid that. You know, like I love that the score was 24-0 at half. Uh, really, we got to a point where it should almost have been a blowout, but I'm happy with the game and how it ended. I think this week it'll be 34-24 Oregon State. Yeah, I picked a 27-17 last week and 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 I I mean I even told somebody from Oregon State it would not surprise me if Oregon State boat raced Boise State. I just had a feeling they were they were better than Boise but and and I and I think it kind of played out that way. I never felt like Boise State was really in the game but um this game, I, I'm going to go with Fresno State 31 to 28, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if Oregon State wins. I just think it's it's going to be a hard game to win. There's two games I think are especially going to be hard to win this year: Fresno and and Utah because of the you know everything that the team, the opponents they're playing, the stadium, just everything out there. I think they can win all these games, but. I just think this one's this one's going to be difficult. But Oregon State's played pretty well in the. In the second game of the year under Smith, he he's he they they've really got things kind of figured out in that second game. They haven't won them all, but they've been in every game. They you know they just lost up at Washington a few years back, and they lost the game in Hawaii in you know the last minute of the game. Um, so they won the other two. So yeah, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, I, I put a question out on Twitter before I went to start taping this. I asked people if they had any questions for you and i um didn't really give them much time to do it but but i got a couple questions here um one of them says uh multiple defensive players have stated before that bray's scheme is more simplified than in the past and puts players in position to be more successful and excel and he he asked was 
Was this truly the only change they made from last year's defense, just simpli- simplification of the scheme? My opinion is probably yes. Uh, with the simplest, I mean, they're able to make more, way more plays because they're not having to think as much. I mean, in my defense, just to give you guys like a rough sort of idea of how it was, we'd get a call, <clears throat> whether it was a cover six. Cover six is probably the best I, um, one I can give you guys just because cover six is a cover four on the front end, on the front field side, to cover two on the back side. Uh, with that, though, it comes so much in depth. If you have a cover six and you're the man on the backside, if it's a three by one, like three receivers to the field, one receiver to the boundary, it then changes to almost a lock man on the front side court, uh, receiver on the field side to a lock man on the backside receiver on the on the boundary. So you went from a cover six where you're playing zone on both sides to almost two man and then zoning the two and three. And then you have to start thinking, are you going to switch on the two and three? On the boundary side, are you going to play lock man or are you going to play like uh, like a game with the safety on how you're going to take them? So like when you start simplifying all that and, you know, like not making it so elaborate where all these athletes are having to think and letting athletes play, it gives them the ability to just sit there, you know, like read keys and make plays. And so when you can do that, you have all these great plays where it's like, hey, they're just running two man. Two man's easy. I got this dude. I let him inside. My safety has my help. All right. I don't have help from the safety. I let him go outside. I got him locked yeah. in, man. And it's that. Simple. Yeah. It's kind of what I, I kind of, I mean, I, I wouldn't have said it like that because I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not as technical, obviously, as you are with this stuff. But yeah, I definitely think it's a lot simpler for these guys because they, they don't, they see, I mean, you just play faster when you know where you're going. It seems to me, but yeah. Um, another one said, uh, "What uh, what position or position group do you think uh, has overachieved the most?" And um, do you, uh, what does it say? Um, ask you know what do you, what do you think has overachieved the most? And um, I guess that, that that's the main question on that one. There's some other stuff, but that was the main question. Is there a group that's kind of kind of surprised you a little bit, or you know, the, with their play th- through the first week? Yeah, I mean, truthfully honest, I was expecting Oregon State to be a run-heavy offense. And to see our receivers be so athletic, make plays, and get yak yards, in which I call, or which is called, like, yards after uh, contact, it's so nice to see that it's like, all right, we're not just basing our offense off of the run now. Like, we're really opening everything up. And, like, I think the receivers finally, like, you know, showed their light, showed, like, Hey, this is Oregon State. We're not just a run team. I think we're we can be a heavy throw team. We can do it all. So I think the the people I'd give the most props to are the receivers this week and the corners, which that was expected. So for them to come out as receivers and really just do their thing, props to them. Proud of them, and I'm happy to see what happens for the rest of the year. Uh, let's see. Then one one other question here. It says, uh, "Well, this one's not really for you. I guess it's for me." It says, "If we go three and zero, will the journalists dye their hair orange?" Uh, that'd be a hard no. Um, fans fans think that I'm rooting for their team. I mean, I I I mean, I'm rooting for the story. The story. It's a good story if they win. So I but I, but, I'm, but I'm not I'm not coloring my hair just for you know for for <laughs> for, for for a team that that I'm covering, but. You know, I'm happy, happy to see they're winning and all that, but, but, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into that much, but fans want to dye their hair. That'd be great. Um, 
Well, I'll be at Fresno State this week. Um, I'll be there, and our columnist Bill Oram will be there. You'll be you'll be watching, or how what, how are you going to take it in? Yeah, I'm not missing a game this year. I'll be at home, uh, have it on my TV, and I mean, I'll probably even record it because I mean they're doing great, and just so I could re go over it again and rewatch the game. That's a wrap on this week's edition of, of Beaver Banner. Remember, you can you can find this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Be, be sure to check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll we'll be back next week to talk about what happened at Fresno and look ahead to the September 17 game against Montana State at in Portland. We'll see you. We'll see you next week, Kyle. Sounds great.